Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I have two guests on today. I have Dr. Hannah Ritchie. Hello, Hannah, how are you? Hello, Hello. I'm good, thank you. I like how you always introduce me as doctor. I hate when people call me doctor. Do you know why I did that though? I'm sure I told you why I did that. Because my mum listened to something that you did on the radio and they were like, here's Dr. Paul McGath and here's Dr. So-and-so and here's Professor and then they're like, and Hannah Ritchie has something to say. And it, she was just like, that's fucking sexism. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, Dr. Hannah Ritchie. And we also have Dr. Amelia Thompson. Hi, I love that you call me doctor. You can do it all the time. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so today we want to talk about values, which I think is a word that gets thrown around quite a lot without like much meaning or thought behind it. Like, oh yeah, it's my values, much like kind of like integrity, et cetera, et cetera. So, I thought, Amelia, you could start with defining what values are in a very simple way. Oh, I, in my opinion, values are things that are important to you that drive your actions and your goals. And that's as simple as I can put it, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, I would agree. I think that a trap people fall into is one, not knowing their values, and we'll come on to that. But two, even if they do know their values, not actioning them or like you were just saying, like living in line with your values. I think that's something that even if you have potentially like quote unquote good values, it, there's often a disconnect between your actions and your values. And we judge people based on their actions, thinking that their actions are in line with their values, because that's really the only way you can judge someone. And that isn't always the case. So that's something that I call myself out on a lot. Like if someone is judging me, getting to know me, like not necessarily judging in a bad way, but how do I want to come across? My actions are going to show that as opposed to they can't see what my values are. I need to show them what my values are. Yeah, I think yeah, it took me a long time to uh, go through the values in exercise. Like I think for a long time, I assumed like, oh, I just know what my values are. I actually think going through the process of sitting down and actually going like picking out like not 10 but three four five values is so important and what I found like it, when it comes back to like what's driving actions I think also what it drives is being able to interpret like trade-offs between stuff because I think when you look at like the possible list of potential values that you can have like it's very easy to tick off yeah of course I like humor or of course I like fun or like there's like this basically the values list is like almost a list of like good cool stuff that everyone wants to do um but the point of it is picking out a couple of values which if you're faced with a situ like a situation or choices where like you have to go one way or the other and pick between one or the other like you know the value that's going to drive that behavior yeah i think that's important because i think right people look at the huge list of values and this is how most people figure out their values they look at this huge list and they're like people tell them to pick out the ones that are most important to them and people are like oh, well, yeah because I've got like 20 here like no, no no you have to whittle that down to five I would say mm -hmm. three to five what we used to do I never so I, I never say this I never talk about this but I'm a life coach and it's my life coaching qualification lots of reasons why I don't talk about that but one of the processes that you go through when you're doing your life coaching qualification is getting people to identify their values and it's yes it's about looking at the list and saying what's most important to me but then it's actually there's a specific you know you can use work and stuff this but it's realistically saying say you've got four values love health ha love health 
finance and I can't think of another off the top of my head. Fun. Fun, right? Um, and then it's like saying, right, you've got these four lists and run through it and say, okay, is love more important than finance to me right now? Yes, okay, so that goes above here. Is finance more important to me than fun right now? And actually go through them one by one. So you re you keep shuffling them around until you've got a list and you go, okay, so that's the list. I've got one, two, three, four, five, and that's the order because it's so easy for like, so it's so easy to say I value fun and I value health and I value aesthetics. Health and aesthetics are obviously really common in our space, right? And it's like, well, you need to know which one's more important because when it comes to deciding if you're going to eat something or not, it's, it's you, that might be a fun food. It might be not great for your aesthetics, potentially, if it's over your calories, but also it could be good for your health because it's social connection. It's like, well, what do I do if I value all these things? So you need to know not only what your values are, but you also need to know it, when it comes to the crux of it, which one is the most important or, you know, the hierarchy of your values. Yeah, and if you're tricking yourself by being like, health is a value, but I'm just masking that as like disordered eating or like <laughs> that's the reason that I have to be in bodybuilder shape all the time because it's health. Mm. even though like you know deep down that that isn't why you go to the gym every day yeah yeah when yeah i think the aligning aligning the values with your actions like take a lot of self-awareness because i think you can very easily fall into the trap where you reinforce um that you're you can re quite easily reinforce that you are acting in line with your values when you're like really really not for sure there's a tool that I use my clients and I teach on EIQ actually that's called the choice point model, which is like um, you use it as part of ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's basically like it's if you imagine an upside down, upside down triangle, so like the two legs come up and the point is at the bottom. That was a really good explanation. <laughs> like, I think most people can envisage an upside down triangle. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and, it does, and it doesn't have legs. It doesn't have legs. You know? so, basically, imagine you're lying on your back with your legs in the air wide open. Right. Got the image. Then what? Okay. And then, okay. So then on one foot, the end of one foot, you've got um, values, consistent decisions. Um, that So decisions that would take you towards your values. And on the other foot, at the other end you've got values and consistent decisions and decisions that would take you away from your values and at the bottom point like at your butt you've got like <laughs> a challenging situation so the challenging situation might be it's a challenging situation this is a much better analogy than the triangles so at your butt you um something like i don't know someone at work is trying to make you eat cake there's cake at work and you value like your values might be health and you need to lose body fat for your health um, and your values might be fun etc etc but if you look at that and you say right i've been offered this cake what decisions are going to move me in line with my values say no politely to the cake or having something else instead values if decisions that are going to take me away from that would be having the cake or eating tons of cake because i feel bad etc and if you can it's hard to make like you were saying Hannah, it's hard to make decisions sometimes in the moment of what's my value, which we, which we struggle. But if you have like a kind of a list of like potential things that make, that you struggle with and you know you struggle with because you resent, you feel resentful afterwards or you wish that you didn't make that decision. Then if you draw your butt on your legs and you put these things in place, like beforehand you can say, right, I know what I'm gonna do. I know that these actions take me in line with this value and which actions take me away from that. Yeah, so when you're making those decisions, like slide on the floor, <laughs> get your legs in the air, <laughs> let them apart. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> and then you just it would just manifest itself and you just know what to do <laughs> then, then you just know like normally by that point you just know what to do um no I think that's that's good I think there's another layer to that which like Hannah kind of touched on is that you can just even if you are like who does this is this my value if you have a bit of a bias towards a certain thing or or there's like a tendency to basically I want an excuse to stay lean or I want an excuse to have to go to the gym every day you can say that that's in line with your values even though it's not and kind of trick yourself into that which is where I think it's useful to have like a sounding board whether that be a coach or your therapist or I don't know if you can play devil's advocate with yourself very well sure but most people can't to that extent especially when it's uncomfortable and they already have a bias as to what they want the quote but truth to be mm-hmm. having someone to act like okay well is that actually in line with your health like every single day is that is that really a healthy thing like is too much of that not potentially an unhealthy thing mm-hmm. um that can be quite useful yeah mm-hmm. and I think that's also where journaling comes in really well like you should be reflecting on your values regularly if you're doing some sort of journaling even if you don't do it all the time and then when you go through like even if you're doing really surface level journaling of how you spent your day you can still even do the surface level stuff and be like, well, is that in line with my values or did I overwork and actually sacrificed going for dinner with my friends because I was overworking and I say that I value fun. Like that's really surface level, but it's still important. Don't feel attacked. <laughs> oh, I was but looking right at you when I said it. <laughs> that's something I ask when I journal. Were my actions today in line with my values or, or did I show up in a way that I wanted to show up? Like kind of both of those and just evaluating whether they were. And there might be days like you can say that you value fun but still work pretty hard during the week and be like, yeah, like overall I value fun and on the weekend I'm going to do something fun, like a rebirthing ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think generally like keeping a track on that because it's so easy to like almost wander through life a little bit blinded being like, I know what my values are, but not really acting in line with them. And then before you know it, you're way down one leg and the (laughs) other leg is like... (laughs) the way you can't see it anymore That's dislocated your hips not where we want to be no um hannah do you guys do you guys ask your client do you ask your guys clients to share their values with you because i know that emma you sent for the exercise to do but do you like ask them so then you can like hold them to them i don't hold my them but my, when i in my sign up form i have goals school section and i have a value section and then just to get them started thinking about values, but I don't expect everyone to know what they really are choosing at the time. And then as time goes on, I will reassess them and be like, okay, things feel a little bit like, feel a little bit lost at the moment. Let's just reassess your values. You don't, I never say you have to share them with me, but they always do. Yeah, yeah. I think if people want to share their values, that's great, especially when you're doing goal setting. But a lot of the time it's like initially thinking about them and, and some people have never really thought about that. And if you're in a consultation like with a new personal trainer or a new client they might not want to share that or even often it's like what comes to your head first right you're like oh family love connection and health those are my key values and and actually you're just like how often do you go and see your family like do you actually speak to them at all like no you just think that that's what society's told you is important and again like you were saying Hannah like you see this list of things and you're like I should and this is something you really need to question and it's really hard because society will tell you that certain things should be of value to you like health might not be one of your key values even though many people would tell you it should be 
And I think sometimes as much as I, it's not one of my key values as much as I value it, but I think it's because it, it's kind of like to a large extent taken care of when you have health and I get the whole like, yeah, like until you lose it, you don't realize how valuable it is. Um, but sometimes I think if your values are, are like distinctly connected to your goals, it would be like saying, I don't know, I'm a millionaire and I, and I value finance or something that's already there. Here's a question for both of you. So one of my clients was reading, I think it was Atomic Habits or listening to something of James Pierce. And he said, if you want to achieve something that someone else has, then you should adopt not only their habits, but their values to become that way. I, I'm interested in both of your thoughts on that. Hannah, you can get that, I've spoken loads. I would, no, I don't think I agree with that. I think, I think it's actually really bold to say that you can just adopt someone else's values. I think adopting, like, I think that's like a massive mission to like completely reframe what your values are. Um, like the habit stuff I get, like I would also question, I would also question, like if you are trying to get what someone else has and your values are not aligned with them, then I would question why in the first place your values are not aligned with them. And if they're not aligned initially, maybe you don't what they want what they want or what they have. Yeah, and and like we've had chats about this before, but like the shadow side of success as well. Like you might be like on paper, oh yeah, I really want what so and so has, but you don't realize the work that's gone into that. The fact that you've got three kids, they don't like. The, there's just so many differences, and I don't think you can adopt someone else's values. Nor do I think that you'd want to. And like I see this quite a lot in like business mentoring where people are like kind of have like cookie cutter this is how you should run your business instead of thinking what's important to you as an individual what's your business values and how can you create a business model that is in line with those because and I say this all the time it comes across so cheesy but I don't even care like the reason that I outwork a lot of people it is partly because I have a good work ethic but it's also because I love what I do and my business is in line with my values. Whereas if someone else just copied my business model, they wouldn't work half as hard because it's not what they love. It's not run in a way that is in line with their values or what they want. And it, it, like, it just never has the same end result. Whereas if you really start with someone's values and what's important to them and why they want to run the business, why they want to be a personal trainer, who they want to help, and then create a business model around that, as opposed to some cookie cutter thing that has worked for someone else. That's how you create a business that you love. And when you love your business and you love your work, much easier to work like quote unquote harder. Mm, I agree. Yeah, it got, like, it's, it's similar to the, the book dilemma discussion we were discussing before we came on the podcast where, um, and we won't go into the long story, but like my book dilemma of, um, like I could probably do much better with, the, the book I could probably sell more copies or um get closer to a bestseller but in order to do that I would probably have to shift my values and I don't want to shift my values so if I don't want to shift my values then I have to question whether that end goal was actually what I really want and it's probably not what I really want yeah and um, when it comes to therapy and <clears throat> I'm obviously quite limited in my therapeutic skills thus far but one of the main reasons you look at any of the main therapeutic models one of the main reasons that people come to therapy is because they are incongruent and when i say incongruent in therapeutic terms it means you're not living in line with your values 
and so you are it's often you're taking on these values of other people so it might be for example if you grew up and you saw that your dad was more affectionate with your mum every time she was skinny skinnier and so you adopted this interjective value that said love looks like being thin and so then you are constantly on diet and you're constantly striving to be smaller that's not your value it's a value that you've taken on by someone else and you develop these disordered habits as a result of that same as the people who maybe are um, dependent on things like alcohol and drugs they're doing it because they're not living in line with what's important to them so I would like to say that my client might have got the, the Jane Clear thing wrong so just to put that disclaimer out there just in case that's not exactly what he said but it's like that she sounded pretty clear on that um then there's like societal pressures as well of like what society values and that you should value the same things like having two kids and a house and a mortgage and I think like with your example Hannah it's not that it's probably not that you would change your values and that's what would be the hard thing is that you would be incongruent with them so you'd, you'd maybe have this success but you wouldn't be happy with the success because you have this like icky feeling and we spoke about that at IFS didn't we when you post something on social media and you're like oh I feel a bit like weird about posting that and and sometimes it can be stuff that you've posted before like we have a lot of people on EIQ now that like start learning about body image and are like oh I don't feel as great posting transformation photos and it's like this kind of icky feeling that develops that like they're like oh I'm not really sure why that is and it's because it doesn't align with their values anymore yeah and I think that's a yeah I get the same Sorry. So I like post like different stuff. Like I'm like most of my stuff goes on Twitter and it's like very academic stuff in a different field. But like I kind of I also get the same. Like I, I used to be like a lot of the stuff I post is like somewhat controversial and kind of scientific fields. Um, and like I used to like really panic whenever I got criticism. But I think I've just got much more comfortable with criticism over time because I know that regardless of what I post, I'm going to get some and I, I should expect that I'm going to get some. But I, it just doesn't bother me as much anymore because I know that it's aligned. It's aligned, like it's aligned with the literature. It's aligned with the evidence. It's aligned with uh, the way I want to move forward, and I think it's aligned with the values and like message I want to put out. So if there's criticism, that that's fine, and it actually just doesn't really bother me because I know I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. But when you put, I mean, I'm sure you don't. But if you put out something that you like, you know, that maybe someone had pressured you into writing. Or you've been paid a lot to write and then you were criticized for that that would be harder like say you yeah. you know went with a different book publisher and they told you that you had to write a book in a certain way and then you had to defend the way that you'd written that book like that would be a pretty shitty position to be in yeah i think i think that's an easy way in life and not just like social media wise but if you feel icky if you feel off if you feel off kilter if you feel like something's not right but you can't put your finger on it it's probably because you've done something that's not in line with your values it's a really easy kind of pathway and a really because some of this can be kind of kind of sound quite airy fairy it's like well how do I how do I action that what does that even mean if you feel icky and off and you don't know why then think like that's a direct pathway to say something's not aligned here what what is it yeah, like I often, not so much anymore because I think I'm much better at this, but like if I'd, I don't know, spoken to someone in a certain way or had an argument with someone, like not particularly argumentative, but if I felt icky after, like sometimes I'd just kind of sit with that and be like, mm. like not do anything about it. Whereas now I would message them and be like, I don't know if you felt like this, but I felt like I came across in this way. That wasn't how I meant to come across and mm. this is what I meant. And whether that's more for me <laughs> or for them, like, I guess it, yeah that's yeah. another whole 
that's another whole thing um, well it doesn't really matter though right like a, I like I always find those situations like weird uh like and also like it comes in like I see this in like loads of different arguments like charity like arguments against charity for example this like narrative of like you should like always give completely altruistically because if you feel good from giving from charity then it's somehow like tarnished which like to me just like makes no sense like if there's a win-win like take the win-win like if you can give to charity and it provides a benefit and you also feel great for it like double win like I, I don't and like in this situation if they feel better and you feel better then why does it matter yeah, so what? it's kind of similar to like one I don't even know if you can be truly altruistic with giving charity like fully and nor like you're saying like nor potentially should you need to be but it's kind of like this a little bit with virtue signaling i'm like well actually if the message is right i or, like i mean it'd be nicer if it wasn't virtue signaling but i almost don't care like if they're giving out a good message like yeah, yeah. it's still like the net is positive and if people are giving to charity to feel good about themselves or even to like show off a bit far when people are like filming themselves giving money to homeless people or something but like if even if they need to post on social media yeah I give away this much money to charity every year like yeah it's still a net positive in my opinion same yeah it's Um, weird that we have this like yeah it has to be you have to be like a martyr to like and feel like yeah this weird like self-sacrifice thing when I'm just like all about like net positive win-wins everywhere Mm -hmm. How often do you reevaluate your values? I think, see, I think I think about values slightly differently. And I realized this going through the prior, like the, the value setting exercise. Like, I think I initially thought that my values probably change, would change a lot over my life course. But I actually, for me, I think there's like a base layer, which is like my values. And then there's like a priority layer that like lies on top. So the way I was thinking about it. So like I picked my values and I realized that like family, for example, did not fall within the five values. And then I thought about the fact that probably in the future I'll have partner and kids. And I thought, will my values change when I have a fam- like a family? And I realized probably not. And that's not to say that they are not up. <laughs> no, no, you can't cut me off here. I need to elaborate. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, I feel like I think I think they wouldn't change. I think there's a layer on top for me, which has like priorities. And I think they would absolutely be my priority. But I think often like the stuff in the values layer actually feeds into the layer above, which is family. Um like for example, like I have a family at the moment, and they are like they are my priority. And if anything happened, <laughs> oh no, my mom's gonna listen to this. <laughs> but like if anything happened, like they're they're the they're my top priority. If anything, like I would like put them first in front of anything. But like I still don't think that they are my values, even though they're my priority. So I think like moving forward, I don't. I actually don't think my baseline values change a lot. Yeah, no, I think I totally get what you're saying. And it was kind of what I was trying to get at with the health thing. It's like, is it something that you need to be working on at the moment? Like, do my actions every day need to align with that? Like, they already kind of do. And like, yeah, you're right. Like, family are not in my top five either. But it's like, almost like, yeah, of course. Like, if anything happened, they would initially be like a priority. And you drop everything else. 
So I kind of like that Hannah Ritchie model of priorities that would like be pulled out depending on the situation. So I'm obviously a bit. Thank, thank God I managed to save that there. Whew. Yeah, but Hannah, we both have like hearts of gold. Amelia's about to say family going high priority. Well, love is my primary priority. I love it. Uh, no, family is in my values. But, but A, I'm obviously just nicer than you two and filled with more love. But B, I think, do you know what? I think it's probably on the same wavelength in that it's not something that you have to prioritise. Whereas, so we've been speaking about recently, you know, people who move around and live in various countries, etc. And for me, I would never be able to do that because my little brother has health problems and I always want to be there if something happens and I need to be there. So for me, my value, because I value family so much, that that guides so many of my decisions that although it doesn't necessarily guide my day-to-day goals and decisions, if I took a step back out of my life and went, why do I choose to live in the UK? A lot, like that's driven by love, family and connection, which are my values because of various things. So it's like, I totally know what you mean. They are baseline values. And I wonder if you then if you're looking at your day-to-day stuff it might work more than like these kind of surface level things like the priorities and then maybe if you took a step out and you looked at your whole life as a whole would that change from like the priority list to like central core ones I don't know do you think that like some of the values as well are quite surface level like travel for some people is a value and really like I think that isn't what people are looking for they're not just looking to travel they're looking for adventure or escape yeah or like whatever there's something under that that they're looking for Mm -hmm. so sometimes like digging a little bit deeper like asking yourself like you know if you're saying love is your value like the word love is thrown around so much that what does that actually mean to you like what is it that you are seeking in that area and and how does that show up because that's something that's really hard like have I lived my life today in a way that is in line with my value of love Mm. that could be quite a hard thing to quantify so making it a little bit more like what are the processes I need to or like how would my life look if I was living in line with these values Mm -hmm. and what changes might I need to make to make sure that I am living in line with those values yeah yeah like the way I see it is so my five values were learning knowledge kindness contribution and fairness and like the way I see it like those are the underpinnings and then like what sits on top is like family work hobbies relationships And the point is, like, I think those feed into, like, the level above. So, like, if I have a family, like, then the contribution value feeds into the family as, like, priority. Um, Whereas currently, probably most of that's fed into work at the moment. But, like, I think the shifting level for me is, like, a level above the values, but the values, like, lie underneath all of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like like the thought of, like, seasons of life as well, like, kind of how you're saying that the priority level will change. And I think, I think it was James Clear as well that has an analogy of like um, hobs on a stove. And I think like one of them is like work, family life, health, I don't know, something else, love maybe. And that you can like turn them up and down at, at different points, but they should all be burning at the same time. Or well, I actually think I changed this analogy because his point was you can't burn them all at the same time. And it was like, watch me, watch me, bitch. I burn them. <laughs> no, but my point is if you let any of those go out, you're fucked. Like if your work completely goes out, then you're not going to be there for your family. You know, you're going to be so distracted by the fact that you're stressed about not having work. Or like if your family is unwell, you're certainly not going to perform at your best in your own health or your own work or like show up at your best. 
So they all have to be burning, but at different times you can turn up different knobs depending on where the path is, you know? Mm -hmm. So I quite like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, There's the other analogy of the flywheel. It's like a popular one where the like it's not about like I think this is like a pushback against like work-life balance where like you have to do one or the other whereas I think this analogy is more like you put energy into the flywheel and once that starts spinning it actually like spins off into all of the different areas of your life and like the aim is just to keep that spinning. There was a quote about work-life balance that I really liked I can't remember it but it was more like it's not work-life balance as if they're like a false dichotomy or they're like always pulling against each other. It's work-life harmony. I like that. Mm, I like that. Or, and it, I think one of them was like something quite strong. Like if you need work-life balance, then you don't enjoy your work enough or something. But it, it definitely depends on like, you know, we're all of us are lucky enough to have not jobs, but careers kind of like we do what we love which is actually such a privilege to be able to do. I think it's quite different to tell someone that they should have work-life harmony when they, I don't know, not belittling stacking shelves in Tesco, but it's probably not your passion. And, and that often means that you have more passion outside of work, actually, and that you have more to do outside of work. But anyway. All right, anything else to say? Okay. Where do you, where do you think your values come from? Do you have the same values as your parents? I think a lot of them have come from my parents, but they're not the same. No, I don't think so. I think, like, I guess that's probably why they change as well. And and it's funny that you say that you don't think yours will change. And, and what's that um, cognitive bias, like the history bias, where mm -hmm. you're like, nah, do you know what? Now I'm a pretty rounded person. Like, I did a few blocks of therapy. Like, I can know myself. I'm probably not going to change much in the next five years when actually like realistically, I put my, my values will likely be different in the next five years and I probably will have learned a lot and I probably will have totally different thoughts about a lot of things. And I'm excited for that because that's growth. And if I look back five years ago, like I don't even particularly like myself back then, like I'm sure my values weren't the same back then. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, we, we like grow and change more than we think depending on like life and our circumstances and who we surround ourselves with. Yeah, you definitely pick some up from your parents. I think as you get older and as you get more self-aware, you go, which ones do I want to keep and which ones, which ones do I want to throw away? So you get them from society, you get them from your parents, you get them from your own life, right? Your own personality. And then you go, mm, I like that my mum values family more than other things. Or I like that my mum was valued career and that type of thing and and you fall into that and I think as well like you pick them up when you're young right your parents values so it might model your behavior when you're young so we were talking about this the other day about like my mum used to take me to work and put me under the desk as a baby and carry on with the work and your mum was really successful when she worked and it's like you pick those values up from the age of nothing all the way up so of course that then models your behavior and it becomes almost inherent in your values if but ultimately, I guess, if that if it wasn't meant for you to pick up that value and to live in that, you would feel incongruent and you would be resentful of the work that you do. You wouldn't necessarily be in a career that you love. So I think you probably, like, I think you kind of shed the, all the ones that you don't want as you get more self-aware and pick up the ones that you do or keep the ones that you do. Mm. Yeah. I think on this, my, like, personal experience and bias is, like, very much in, in conflict with the research, which, like, I never, like, 
um <laughs> so like my personal bias would like definitely be like yeah I like picked up a lot of my values from my parents um and like I think like I would say that they probably had like a strong impact on like shaping who I am but like the research is like very like pretty much the opposite of this like the research would suggest that that we like massively overestimate the impact that your parents have on who you end up being which is like some people might take that as like a positive some as a negative like the positive is like it's quite hard to really mess up your kids like um and also it would be like you know sometimes people are kind of like victim mentality of well yeah that's it my parents were dicks so i'm going to be dick like yeah yeah. that's interesting but there isn't i mean yeah it doesn't hugely surprise me i wonder if there's there must be some kind of genetic influence on like your tendencies and thus potentially your values that links to an extent there's always a genetic influence to everything yeah I think there's probably a strong genetic component and then like I was discussing this with like colleagues in the last week which is why it's on my mind but there's re- what the research says rather than like family having a strong influence like what has a really strong influence is like peers like you're the peer group that you grow up alongside has like a strong impact on um has a strong impact um so they kind of I think they and I think there's also like a big factor on luck as well you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with pretty much yeah Yeah. I think it does have a big so I think the conclusion we came to so I think also luck has like a big um, I like I think we massively underestimate like luck and your life trajectory so I think the conclusion we came up with was that like as a parent probably the most influential thing you can do is try to make sure that your kid has a good group of friends that you would want them to emulate and but and with the last thing I think because hmm? like like, that's quite hard to do like I remember not so much with me but like I've seen other parents oh yeah they you know that person's always bad at school like I'm going to try and get William not to hang around with them or whatever and that normally goes the opposite way like if you're telling someone that they can't do something then they end up being best mates with them but yeah well that's why you just use them for tactic right and tell them not to hang out with them and then they'll hang out with them yeah, true. <laughs> don't hang about with that Hannah Ritchie <laughs> it's a bad influence yeah. also can I just say Hannah it's not luck it's the universe the universe is always guiding not luck yeah, actually, as a parent, what you should be doing is manifesting yeah. good influence onto your children. Exactly. And asking for good things to come. And, and maybe, like, just get your kids to ask their friends, like, what are your core values? Because I don't know if I'm ready to commit to a friendship with you if mm. they don't mind. Yeah. yeah. They need a survey before they come in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not going to make excellent parents, <laughs> one day. Yeah. <laughs> we maybe should we maybe should have got a parent on here to like <laughs> give some bands <laughs> but I think the I think the parenting thing like co- also comes across if you like compare siblings like I don't think me and my brother's values like we would not pick the five the same five values I don't know if you would pick the same as your siblings Probably not. no no or interestingly potentially for some things yes but I think that a lot of it's down to interpretation. Like, for example, if if me and my brother have the same value of fun, his fun might look very different than my fun. Or if we had the same value of hard work, like 
his hard work might look very different than my hard work. So it's not, you might not be able to see that on the surface or it might just look different, I guess. Are you saying that your brother doesn't find reading academic papers fun? <laughs> I am saying that, yeah. It, does, it looks slightly different, yeah. Yeah. Um, what take-homes do we have about values? Know them. I, I just think, and this is such a simple thing, but asking yourself at the end of every day, have my actions been in line with my values today? Mm -hmm. I think on a more basic level, we do this on Commit to Six, like have my actions been in line with my goals today? And that's quite an easy thing. You know, like if fat loss is my goal, cool. Have I ticked off like the, the process goals I need to do to make sure at the end of the day, I'm closer to my goal? It's a little bit harder with values, but also just asking like, to me, something that's really important is showing up the way that I want to show up. So I always ask myself like, have I, showed up in that way or have I let like little shitty things like ruin my mood for the day and meant that I'd like right, you yeah I'm always like I'm such a foul mood such um, well on, on the first on the second day here I was like she was foul I was like Amelia I'm in such <laughs> I was like in such a bad mood it, it was like <laughs> mood and I was like I can't like, I can't even help it but like and you were like if this is your bad mood then yeah, I think we're, right. we're gonna be okay I was like <laughs> I'm genuinely I hadn't been in that bad mood for like probably half a year. <laughs> I um, I agree. I think again, if you're looking at like the therapeutic approach to it, you say like identify your values and then you set your goals in line with your values. So like if you were doing Cut Six, say you've got your goals, you should before have to know what your values are, and so that when you do set those goals, you can say right, they align with these goals that are important to me. So it's the same as like so if I've got a parent who is who does have them who's priorities values etc are really family family love connection let's go with those two and they are trying to diet it's like right well how can we set your goals in line with what's important to you like we're going to have quite a low calorie intake during the day because we're going to have your family dinner at night and cook with your kids because that's what's really important to you so whenever it's not just about making sure that you act in line with your values but it's like when you even set those goals that you have make sure that they align with your values and we were saying earlier like it doesn't have to be legs spread in the air what's come out of your ass. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that complex. <laughs> so I was saying that like, if I was still in a bit of a restrictive mindset, say we have breakfast quite late, like we have a small breakfast and then we have um, a bigger lunch, right? And I could easily in a restrictive mindset say, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna eat anymore, just I'm gonna wait till lunch or whatever. And it would be such an easy thing for me to do, but for me it's like okay, health is the most important thing to me. Work is really high up for me right now. In order for me to live in line with both of those values, I need to eat something. And so it doesn't have to be this big thing. It's like me going, should I eat? Not actually, those things are really important to me. I'm just going to eat. And it's, it's a two second check with yourself. It doesn't have to be this big complex thing of drawing out diagrams, although that can be really helpful when you're trying to navigate things. It doesn't even have to be journaling, although that's obviously really helpful. It can be just like, quickly, I'm going to eat. Am I going to eat this or not? Yeah, I am going to eat this because that's in line with what's important end of end yeah. of thought process and, and I think a really good point you just made about like the method that you might take so a lot of like we often just bastardize fat loss by being like it's a calorie deficit and that's it but actually yeah of course you need to create a calorie deficit the way that you do that it is probably way more important to consider what's important to you and your values than physiologically is it best to have six meals a day or one meal a day like okay actually what fits in best with my day as opposed to what maximally stimulates muscle photosynthesis and does does eating in this way mean that I can spend more time with my family enjoy more more social time mean that we all sit down for a meal 
also potentially mean that my kids don't see me restricting my dinner, for example, mm. or having a completely different dinner because I'm so obsessed with sticking within my calories. That stuff's way, way, way more important than getting exactly 30 grams of protein at each meal, for example. Mm. Yeah, it just makes it, the process like much more sustainable and like more, much more likely that you will actually stick with it. Congress. Uh, like I think my... I think my advice would be uh, like really actually take the time to like like do it as like a pretty serious exercise like as I was saying before like when I first looked at the list of like 50 values I was like yeah of course I've got integrity of course I love being honest like you actually need to like really really nail it down to like the few that you can actually then like take forward and set goals with and then I think ideally everyone would be really really self-aware and be able to like align their goals with their values but like for most of us it's really really difficult like I wonder if a reasonable exercise like now and again is to ask someone else what do you think my values are based on the way that I behave and the way I live my life like I've never tried it but I feel like it can be quite effective because they have like this outside perspective on how you actually behave and like probably what you what it looks like from the outside you prioritize and that might make you realize actually I'm probably not acting in line with how I want to I would get if you're doing that which I think is quite a cool exercise I would choose who you're doing it with quite carefully who actually knows you not like someone on social media or something who like only sees what you're about on social media because it's probably I mean it's it's quite a good tool to do anyway because you maybe see how you're coming across but yeah that mm-hmm. might not be the real you. Mm-hmm. But I like that. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay, guys. And if you want to assess your values, I have a workbook and a video that goes along with that. So if anyone's interested, shoot me a message on Instagram at ESG Fitness and I will send you the link. Thank you very much both for your time.